Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Paul said, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Dear friends, so many familiar and cherished passages come from Paul's letter to the Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Or, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and so many other passages. And yet, surely, the pinnacle of Paul's letter to the Romans is the majestic 8th chapter, a chapter which opens with this divine assurance. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and a chapter which closes by calling every believer in Jesus Christ, you and me, more than conquerors. Most days, I don't feel like a conqueror. I don't look like a conqueror. When I glance in the mirror, I don't see a conqueror. I don't see Julius Caesar or Napoleon Bonaparte or Alexander the Great. Instead, I see a man with wrinkles and and bifocals, a man who would be deliriously happy to win an occasional victory, a man who would appreciate just one day when one thing happened to go right. How can I be more than a conqueror? when I'm lying in a hospital bed, struggling with constant pain? How can I be more than a conqueror when I have to drive an old, broken-down jalopy or I need a walker to cross the living room? And yet note what Paul said in verse 37 of Romans 8. He did not call us copers, contenders, scrappers, survivors, or even the word conquerors. He said, no, in all these things, You are more than conquerors. And not only that, Paul placed that verb into the present tense, the tense of ongoing, uninterrupted action, which is to say, you and I are always more than conquerors. There is never a time, never a place, never a situation, never an illness when we are anything other than more than conquerors. How can that be? The answer lies in the five glorious words at the end of the verse, through him who loved us. Whenever we face challenges or heartaches in life and we're tempted to give up, we should remember Paul's words to us. No, wait, in all these things, you are more than conquerors. And to understand exactly what that means, We should ask ourselves the questions that Paul asks in Romans 8 and even personalize them. Let's do that. First question. If God is for me, who can be against me? Now understand that the emphasis of that verse is not on the if. It's on God. In the original language, Paul used a definite article with the word God. And then he placed that word at the beginning of the sentence for extreme emphasis. The sense of the question is this. If the one and only true God is for me, who or what in this universe can be against me? That's not a difficult question to answer, is it? 
If God is everything the Bible professes him to be, all-powerful, all-knowing, always present, eternal, truthful, faithful, unchanging, full of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, there's only one answer to the question. No one. If God is for me, no one can be against me. No one can defeat me. No one can change God's good and gracious plans for my life. In fact, the Greek of that verse is actually, if God is for me, who is against me? It's almost as if from God's almighty point of view, the opposition doesn't exist. And from his point of view, it doesn't. The second question to ask ourselves is, if God gave his only son, Jesus, for me, will he refuse to give me anything else that I need? The first question was about God's power. The second question is about God's willingness. Ironically, even as Christians, this is where we often have the most worries. We're willing to say, oh, God has the power to help me, sure, but does he have the willingness to help me? Oh, Heavenly Father, forgive us for praising your power and doubting your willingness. In Romans chapter 8, Paul offers the supreme, unmistakable, indisputable, irrevocable proof that God is always for us and he's always willing to help us. And that proof is the cross of Jesus. You know that God has the power to help you. But if today you're wondering if God has the willingness, look at the willing way Jesus walked to the cross for your sins. Ask yourself the question, if God was willing to sacrifice his only son for me, is he actually going to withhold some godly blessing for my life? A change of clothes, a pair of shoes, a stronger faith? Of course, the answer is no. The third question to ask yourself, if God justifies me, who can condemn me? Few things make us feel less like conquerors than the glaring knowledge of our own sins. And actually, if you look at Romans 7, there Paul does not sound particularly like a conqueror. That's where he says, I don't understand what I do. The good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, that I keep doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? How does he continue? Does he continue with a whimper? Does he continue with a whisper? Does he continue with a surrender? Absolutely not. He continues with a cry of absolute victory. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That we sin, yes. That we deserve only God's punishment, yes. But friends, even here, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Jesus, who not only died for us and not only rose for us, but is at the right hand of God interceding for us. The world may condemn us. Satan may condemn us. We may condemn ourselves. But this promise of God stands firm. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And to me, that sounds like an overwhelming victory. Fourth question, if God loves me, who can separate me from that love? 
When Paul asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, he's not referring to our love for Christ. He's referring to Christ's love for us. He's asking us, is there anything in the whole universe, whether life or death or height or depth or health or sickness or poverty or wealth or global terrorism or the fury of hell itself that can change God's love for us in Christ? Again, the answer has to be no. And the proof is in the cross. John wrote in his first epistle, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And it is that once for all sacrifice that should once and for all convince us that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Nothing. Not getting old, not getting sick, not being weak, not failing. Because of the cross of Christ, we know that whatever comes into our life, the Lord is still loving us. Well, there's only one question left, and it was actually Paul's first question. But I saved it to the end because I think of it as a fitting conclusion. The last question to ask yourself is, so what shall I say in response to this? See, every day we face new problems and new heartaches, and every one of the problems and heartaches forces us to ask, okay, what now? What shall I say in response to this? Well, what will we say? Will we raise the white flag of surrender? Will we go through the day moaning and groaning? And worst of all, acting as if we had no hope and no Savior? Or will we press on in confidence, saying with Paul, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Remember that in Romans 8, Paul is not telling us how to become conquerors. In Romans 8, he's telling us to live like the conquerors that we already are in our Lord Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen. Our closing hymn is 427, 427 stanzas 1 and 7, 427, 1 and 7.